Hello, folks, and welcome to FS Ride Along. This will actually be episode 12, I think. I've lost complete track of the numbers. Uh, it's just happened sometime, but sometimes, but um, we've got an ep- another episode on our hands anyway. Uh, I know so many episodes in such a short amount of time. I'm working hard. Either that or I'm just uh, wasting your time, but either way, you're here listening, so might as well enjoy the ride. Um, I'm dropping the View from the Cockpit title because I know there is another podcast with that name, so I'm just gonna, uh, I'm gonna have interview shows and I'm gonna have opinion shows, and this is an opinion show. So, um, I went back years and years and years in my podcast archive, uh, as I was thinking about Next Generation Sims, X-Plane 11, uh, P3D version 4, and, of course, uh, Flight Sim World. Um, and I, I read uh, Rob Rosario's remarks, um, and I, that gave me a lot of thinking to do. Um, and uh, kind of listening back to the own pod, my own podcast that I published uh, earlier this week, uh, and listening to that and uh, chewing on that. Um, and I really have some firm, solid opinions here. Um, the firm opinion is that in order for a sim to succeed, it needs to be a good platform for third-party development above all else. Um, it can have, you know, a little bit of default content, you know, your standard Cessna, you know, maybe a default Boeing or an Airbus or something like that. A Piper if you want to get, uh, you know throw in a little bit of variety there, which I don't, never, you know, I never say no to, because it's much more interesting flying a Piper than a Cessna, I think, having actually flown a Piper. Um, but, uh, you know, your, your base product, you know, needs to dress nice and, you know, give it enough to, uh, allow players to want to buy it and then, you know, get their casual players maybe get two weeks out of it, that sort of thing. Um, But it also needs to cater to third-party developers so they can take your product, mod it, and sell their own products and in the course of doing that, sell your product. Because after about two weeks um, or 30 hours of play, give or take, probably a little, little bit less than that, even the best simulator with the newest default features is not going to be entertaining for very long. And most casual players will say, well, I bought a game, it was X amount of money, I invested X amount of hours in it, I'm done, on we get to the next thing. Of course, your hardcore market's not going to do that. Uh, Like I was saying a couple episodes ago, uh, for this new Flight Sim World thing, I want to dump at least 1,200 hours into this thing. Um, at least. And, but the only way I'm going to do that is if PMDG, A2A, Aerosoft, um, FS Dream Team, um, Flight Beam, um, and a bunch of other companies, TFDI, Quality Wings, uh, that's, you know, if, if they don't provide add-ons for Flight Sim World, then I'm not going to use Flight Sim World. It's just that simple. Um, in fact, I wouldn't even buy Flight Sim World 
immediately right out of the box if I didn't happen to be a member of the press and, you know, if I didn't happen to uh, have flight school anyway, which will give me an automatic upgrade. So, um, bottom line, since I've got an automatic upgrade in press credentials, um, I'm going to have it, but I'm not going to use it uh, really uh, until a PMDG product or Quality Wings product or an Aerosoft product comes out for it because what's the point, you know? I'm going to fly the default Piper around and I'm going to go, okay, that's kind of cool, you know, here's Chico, here's the scenery, okay, I'm going to fly to San Carlos, okay, cool. Flew to San Carlos, flew back to Chico, okay, that's it, I'm bored, and now back to FSX um, or X-Plane or whatever, whatever else happens to be on my schedule for that particular day. Um, so it is paramount that when you're making a sim, that you think of it not as a sim, but as a platform, a simulation platform for other developers to build upon your work. And you're going to make more money and do better for yourself if you rely on simply selling the units that add-on developers will sell than if you say, okay, here's my product and I'm going to charge 30% of the sale rate, uh, let's just say, in order for a developer to make a third-party add-on for my product. So in other words, you know, if you're taking a 30% cut uh, to essentially allow a third-party developer developer to make a product make an add-on for your product yeah you're going to make money but players like pmdg are not going to go for that um and on top of that the money that you would make with that model is not going to equal the amount of money that you would make by uh, having a pmdg product be developed for your sim you know um pmdg sells simulators. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, we were talking with Carlene Pettit last episode about uh, getting her set up with a simulator. Um, she is getting set up with a derivative of FSX because, uh, P- P3D specifically, because PMDG develops for it. Um, now, is there a good, I think, Flight Factor 777 for um, X-Plane? I've heard so. Um, I haven't tried it, so I don't have experience with that, so I can't help her with that. So that's the reason why I didn't say X-Plane. But, you know, it's PMDG that sold that copy of of uh, P3D. It isn't P3D itself. It's what P3D has, what has been added, what has been added to P3D that sells that product. Um, and, you know, that's just one circumstance in which that, that is true. So, um, that's, that's really the baseline of my opinion. And, um, this is not a new opinion on my part. Um, I went back, like I said, through the archives of my old podcast, and I dug out, my initial Flight Simulator X review. And a lot of the issues 
that are concerning us with this new dovetail sim and this next generation of sims in general are the same issues. Are third-party developers going to be able to freely develop for it? Um, does it have um, modding support? Can you as a community member develop your own mods for it? Um, is it going to be a nice, stable platform? Uh, now we have the addition of, is it going to be 64-bit? But, you know, in order to have a good sim, um, you need to be able to add on to it. And if you can't add on to it, or if developers won't add on to it, then what good is it? You know, it's just going to last that initial week, two weeks, 30 hours of play, like I said, and then it's going to be done. Um, so I really, really strongly encourage um, uh, P3, uh, Lucky Martin and Dovetail at this point, because they're the only ones that, or they're the ones that have yet to release their next generation Sims. Um, I really encourage them to you know, kind of reconnect with what makes a good sim. Stability and third-party modability. Without stability and third-party modability, your sim isn't going to sell, pure and simple. Um, so, with that said, I'm going to include here my original FSX review, just for funsies. Um, and I'll probably come back and wrap it up after that's done, um, and I'm probably going to make a few edits to it, um, if you want the original file, it's, uh, in the, uh, Knickknack podcast feed, uh, just, uh, Knickknack Jack podcast, I believe on iTunes is what you search for, um, and that's my main feed, and I swear a lot, and I have a lot of strong opinions on that, but in this particular case, uh, there is no swearing in the FSX review, which frankly surprises me. Um, so, I'm going to come back at the end, and uh, we'll uh, see what we garner from uh, our look into the uh, Knickknack archive. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is Nicholas Jackson hanging out here with you, and I've got the long-promised review for FSX and the story of my recent trip to FanCon, all ready to go for you. So without further delay, let's get started. Now, about a year ago, Microsoft released its current generation version of Flight Simulator. Flight Simulator has been a long-running franchise that Microsoft has run. And really, even though the Xbox has developed significantly over the last couple of years, Flight Simulator has always been the cornerstone on which the Microsoft Games division was based off of. And as such, it was decided that Flight Simulator 10 would be the launch platform for Windows Vista. You know, everything was kind of accumulating at the beginning of last year, and when I went to FanCon 2006 out in Washington, D.C., Microsoft was very optimistic about what FSX would do, how the new mission system would change gameplay and lend itself towards more goal-oriented play, and how Windows Vista would play a critical role in what Flight Simulator 10 could do and the increased capabilities of DirectX 10. 
So obviously we have quite a lot of significant claims on the table here to look at. The first most basic arena is the growth of Flight Simulator. Now Flight Simulator 9, also known as Flight Simulator 2004, a century of flight, was a decent progression within the Flight Simulator franchise. It offered a decent selection of basic aircrafts that the player could use. It also offered a training system and mission-oriented objectives so that players who wanted to complete goals and do certain objectives could have that style of play. But the center of Flight Simulator, of course, has always been the free flight mode in which the player selects what type of plane they want to fly, where they want to fly it to, what kind of weather, etc., etc. And Flight Simulator 10 has all these features. On a most basic level, it is a good sequel and good installment in the Flight Simulator franchise. They have a uh, very complex mission system that is quite enjoyable for those goal-oriented players. They've also added multiplayer capabilities, so you can play with a group of friends, and you can even act as an air traffic controller, which is great. You can play it over GameSpy and do all the basic things that you would expect of a current generation PC title. So on that level, success. Getting into more specific details, though, as far as technological developments go, and you start running into the problems of FSX. The biggest problem seems to be with the engine. Now, when I went to the AvSim convention in 2006, the Microsoft developers there made a big point of saying that upon release, FSX would not be at its best performance-wise, simply because the technology to support it had not come out yet. And it was strongly suggested that the release of Windows Vista, the included release of DirectX 10, and the use of DirectX 10 cards would improve the performance of Flight Simulator 10. Unfortunately, I am here to tell you today that those claims did not ring true. I have tested Flight Simulator 10 on both a computer that I own here with a AMD Athlon 64-3200 plus processor, 1 gig of RAM, and a GeForce 6800, and got adequate performance under Windows XP, and got very poor performance under Windows Vista using the same system. And using my friend's system, which is the most advanced system that I have access to at this point, the performance for Flight Simulator 10 using DirectX 10 and Vista was not stellar. This seems to be an underlying issue with the engine that Flight Simulator is using. And since it's been clearly noted that the impending release of Train Simulator 2 is to rely on the FSX engine, I would highly recommend that Asus Studios work on the performance efficiency of their engine so that this problem does not continue to impede their game's performance, because that is a significant problem. I can't tell you how hard it is to try and land a 737 when you're only getting 10 to 11 frames a second. It's not a very enjoyable game experience, I'll tell you that much. Moving on to the more important features of Flight Simulator 10 as far as the hardcore 
market is concerned. We're looking at expandability and basically modability. Increasingly, over the last couple of generations, Flight Simulator has moved into the position that Warcraft, Unreal Tournament, and similar games have found themselves in. They have essentially become engines. And in doing so, they take on a dual function. They have their market value as a game, and they also have a secondary value, and that is a value as a development toolkit. Now, Microsoft is not known for supporting developers in an easy-to-use sort of way. Their uh, SDKs have always been a little bit hard to maneuver, a little bit hard to navigate, and a little bit hard to figure out. This, of course, has two effects. One, it makes it so that you must invest more to become an efficient Microsoft developer, so to speak. And two, it cuts out those casual would-be developers from the development community. Now, this can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. In my view, it's a negative thing when the complexity of the mod tools eliminates segments from the potential development market. And the reason for this is that Flight Simulator especially is mainly supported by the third-party community. The default planes, for example, and default content that ship with Flight Simulator 10, or any Flight Simulator that, for that matter, traditionally are not satisfactory for the hardcore player base. The hardcore player base ends up do either doing one of two things. They either end up developing their own content to satisfy their expectations, or they end up downloading and even paying for third-party content that other users have developed. Given that this is the case, I would think that it would be who of Microsoft at this point to try and cater to both user groups. You want to cater towards the casual players who are going to enjoy the default content, maybe play some simple multiplayer and put the box down within a couple hours. And you also want to cater towards that hardcore market that wants to develop its own content and can do so to the extent that you can continue to move units off the shelf long after the normal lifespan of your product. And for the most part, looking at games like Flight Simulator 10, The Sims, the thing that has moved these products the most isn't the actual content within the game. It's subsequent expansions, whether they be by the developers themselves or third parties. So really it's in the best interest of the of such developers to invest the time needed to make those tools adequate so that the third party community can benefit from them so overall flight simulator 10 has a lot of good improvements and works within the flight simulator franchise however it's missing a lot of key features that i think would have made it a wonderful increase within the Flight Simulator franchise. It doesn't have the third-party support that I would like to see. I think more effort and energy needs to be spent on that. And it doesn't quite have enough to do. You have the mission system, which is a great and welcome new improvement, and of course you have the free flight mode. But you need to have something more there, I think. An example might be an in-game economy that the player can either turn on or off. 
say there's some sort of career progression uh the 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 player needs to buy fuel for their airplane for example so maybe they need to run the missions to buy fuel for their airplane and of course you know because you want to give players as many options as possible you give them the option to turn that feature off but for more goal oriented players it might transition them from the missions to the free flight mode if that type of system were in place and of course above that I think the most critical aspect for the hardcore players, the hardcore fans of the Flight Simulator franchise, is that Microsoft really should open their arms more to online f flying communities such as IVAO or VATSIM. As soon as they make it so it's easier to connect and you don't have to download a third-party application like FSN or Squawk Box to facilitate the use of online networks like that, I think we'll see a better product overall and a more consistent basis for Flight Simulator because on most install bases for the hardcore Flight Simulator fan, you'll have Flight Simulator and you'll have at least 50 other applications, and this is no exaggerated, running on top of Flight Simulator just to do all the things that we would like it to do. Overall, I think on a score of... 1 to 10, I would give Flight Simulator a 7.5. The reasons for this are mainly the problems with the engine and performance, and also the lack of a definitive play progression. You have the missions, you have the free flight system, but where is the in-between? How does someone progress from a novice playing the missions to enjoying free flight mode to learning things about flight simulation and maybe even joining the third party party community and enjoying themselves i think if those gaps were worked on in subsequent expansions and improvements flight simulator would become a much more enjoyable product as it stands though as time goes on and technology improves as Flight Simulator gets more patches and fixes. I think it'll be a very enjoyable program and a very welcome expansion to the Flight Simulator franchise. Speaking of expansions, Asus has also released the Acceleration Expansion Pack, which I have not acquired yet. When I do, I'll take a look at that and the implications it has for the Flight Simulator franchise. Is Asus planning on doing a... EA-like expansion series equivalent to, say, The Sims. It might be a decent idea, considering uh, the way that business model works and the way players are so dependent on expansions in addition to the original content for enjoyment. Uh, that might be a very viable option for both Microsoft and other third-party developers. We shall see. All right, now moving on from the FSX review, we also have... Uh, FanCon 2007, which I recently came back from. And FanCon is a joint venture that was put on by both AvSim and Microsoft Game Studios. It was held up in Bellevue, Washington. Uh, started on the 9th, ended on the 11th. And it hosted uh, quite a lot of things. It had several sessions uh, devoted towards catering to the towards the third-party developer and giving them advice and ideas and suggestions, which was quite effective. We had everything from uh, 
train simulator deve developers encouraging um, certain new techniques in flight simulator add-ons to the premiere of third-party payware aircraft such as the PMDG MD-11 which looks wonderful. We also had uh, previews of Air Simmer's A320 which also looks good and you know there were also uh, things like World Flight going on which was a charity benefit and basically there was this uh, full cockpit set up 767300 uh, that was being flown around the world to benefit charity. And there was even, thanks to a Boeing employee who attended a, the event, a field trip to, into the um, Boeing production plants up at Everett Field in Washington, or Payne Everett Field in Washington. So, you know, it was a very enjoyable event. It's uh, always a good thing to go up to events such as that and talk to your fellow flight simulator enthusiasts. It's always good to know that you're not the only freak who sits there for hours upon a time uh, watching the plane fly its autopilot route. And, um, you know, overall a very enjoyable experience. I also, of course, enjoyed the trip to Seattle. I love the Seattle area. It's my second favorite city of all time. First being, of course, San Francisco, and the third being San Diego. Uh, very enjoyable just to uh, kind of spend some time up there and enjoy the community and get a break from the heat and mundane routine here in Phoenix. So, overall, very enjoyable experience. Like I said, I am enjoying Flight Simulator 10, um, but I'm hoping that in subsequent patches and expansions and releases, Microsoft will do uh, something to fix the issues noted within this podcast. So there you go. That is our time warp, and what a fun time warp it was. Um, boy, hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it? Um, I think. I think the really the fruits of my sixty thousand dollars invested in a game uh, development college degree. <clears throat> were clearly evident there, and uh, hopefully I still extol some of those virtues, but uh, yeah, the base is there, you know, key thing, stable platform, <clears throat> FSX, not a stable platform, plus uh, modability, um, and that's what you need to succeed, and the only reason that uh, FSX has had such longevity despite its instability, is because we had no other option. Um, and we've had no other option for over 10 years now. Um, unless you were innovative and thought, oh, I'm going to go switch to X-Plane. Um, now, I'd say X-Plane is a more accessible second option. Um, and there are those who are P3D uh, converts, and I'm not a P3D user, so... Who knows? Maybe that's our third option. Uh, certainly, P3D version 4, I would put in that category of next-gen sims, um, as well as dovetail sims. So, uh, we'll see what happens there. We don't won't know anything until it happens. So, uh, you know, hard to get a crystal ball and see the future, but uh, especially after reading Rob Rosario's uh, comments this weekend, I really think um, that if I had one piece of advice to dovetail, it's uh, maybe look at, at how you want to work with third-party developers and reevaluate that. That would be my 
my one piece of advice. Um, and I'm giving you that for free, and it really, uh, you know, somebody should be employing me for $50,000 a year, but alas, they are not. Um, so yeah, that wraps things up rather nicely. Um, you know, uh, the technology never did, quote, catch up, unquote, with, uh, Flight Simulator X, uh, and there were a number of other things. Uh, another notable point is FanCon. Um, that is a memory I will always treasure. That was, both FanCons were a very vibrant, unique time in the community, um, in the heart of when Flight Simulator was originally going, when the franchise was there, and everything was great and wonderful and very, I don't know, 1950s wonderful kind of, you know, the Cold War's going on and terrible things are happening, but you're unaware of it, or you're aware of it, but you're not acknowledging it, so it's okay. Um, that was kind of what was going on at the time, and of course then uh, the Cold War actually became a war, and Flight Simulator went away, and uh, you know, uh, a little over ten years later, here we are. Um, so it's been a long, strange trip, as they say. Um, so, yeah, a lot of lot to reflect back on, uh, a lot to take away um, from with uh, Next Generation Sims. And uh, I know just looking at the X-Plane market and what it, what it has already with X-Plane 10 and now X-Plane 11, I think X-Plane shows a lot of promise, and I'll be learning more about that next month. Um, or at least that's my plan. Um... And with Dovetail, well, we're just going to have to wait and see. So that's the only only thing we can do other than, you know, talk about it and speculate. But at a certain point, you can only talk about it and speculate for so long before you have to say, okay, you know, we'll have to wait and see. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, if you have comments or feedback for me, N-I-C-N-A-C-J-A-K at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at N-I-C-N-A-C-J-A-K. Um, I post a variety of things uh, on there, um, some of our, some of which are controversial, so be aware of that before you follow me on Twitter. Uh, I also have a Facebook page, Nicholas Jackson, no H in Nicholas. There was no H, there never was an H, I don't know what you're talking about. So it's just N-I-C-O-L-A-S-J-A-C-K-S-O-N. Um, and you can follow that there. Uh, you can follow me on my personal Facebook, Nicholas Marsh Jackson, I believe it is. Um, but again, a lot of personal stuff goes on there, so if you don't want to be a part of that, um, it's probably best not to follow me on there. Try and follow me on Twitter. I've been trying to filter Twitter a little bit more. All right, so um, we've got a number of potential guests lined up. I'm still trying to sort out the details. I don't know who's going to be next. Um, I'm going to try and get some GA people on here um, because I've been focusing too much on commercial aviation and I want to curtail that. Um, but we'll see what comes next. Um, until then, stay safe, stay sane, happy landings. Bye. No